Um, one of the guys that's making his list was Brian. Brian's praying for Mickey, and so he's praying fervently that uh, God does something in Mickey's life. And of course, that's in every one of your groups. It's huge having that happen at that prayer time. Uh, well, God sets Mickey up in uh, the least likely way, probably the way Mickey wouldn't want set up. Mickey's in the bath salts. Um, you know, bath salts was like Bed Bath and Beyond, and you know, a bubble bath. Um, that you can buy over the counter, and uh, anyhow, just it, it wipes out your mind, and you hallucinate, and so Mickey, uh, you know, essentially hallucinating that his wife is having an affair with somebody, and um, uh, he's taking her to see her mom and dad, straighten her out, and uh, he's going to go stay here and go see her mom and dad. He calls the police. He calls Popo. He calls the police, and police. Takes him down, run him off the road, and Mickey jumps up on top of his truck, like every normal redneck would do, and goes to take on the police. And then the police pull a gun out, they try and shoot him. A uh, gun won't go off. Uh, and, and, and Mickey's a normal, I'm mean, just saying, you know, he's, he's a, he's a blue collar worker guy. He's not, I'm not, we're not talking like some hardcore criminal. He's just a, he's a drug using, you know, local guy. That's just pretty normal in our area. Well, anyhow, the gun doesn't go off, so then he jumps on top of the policeman. And so after he's winning the fight, there's some more police come, they subdue him. He ends up in jail. Um, not a good experience. But he's thinking back in his mind, going, this isn't working out the way I planned, and I'm ready for some change. And so he's saying, you know, he's thinking in his mind, he thinks, you know, well, Brian, Brian's life's different. Brian's uh, daughter and Mickey's daughter are good friends, and that's how he knew about uh, Brian. Friends from back, sort of way back. And he, he's thinking, I, I would really prefer my life as a little more like Brian. So he gets out of jail. He goes to the cemetery. And he's sitting talking to his friend who's dead from a drug overdose, asking him what he should do. About that time, Brian drives by. So he chases Brian down, ends up riding around in their truck together. Brian's sharing his story, Jesus' story, because he's been equipped to share with what to say. He's been equipped for this. They drive past Neil's house. Neil's pastor, with a church of about 600, new church plant. Sees him, they pull in. Um, Neil shares his story, Jesus' story. Mickey uh, essentially gets on his knees at the foot of the tailgate of his pickup truck, altar for a redneck. And he <laughs> gives his life to Jesus. Prays a beautiful prayer. He immediately says that the first act of obedience for a Christian is baptism. So we're going to come to your house and baptize you. Mickey misunderstands him, takes his wallet out, starts doing his belt, and he's down in the water. The next thing he knows, it says, What prevents me from being baptized now? <laughs> so Brian picks up his iPhone. He's going to take a picture of Neil baptizing um, uh, Mickey. And, and he goes, no, no, no. This is Neil, the pastor. He goes, no, you you go baptize him. I'm taking a picture. And so Neil takes a picture. Brian's never baptized anybody. Brian baptizes Mickey. Um, they immediately teach Mickey who to share with. Now, who does a guy like Mickey know? 
Bass all dealers. Yeah. He, he knows lots of jokers far from God, lost. I mean, he's that's that's his life. What about his wife? Yeah, well, she was, yeah, knows them all. They're, I think his wife's in a little better shape, actually. Uh, definitely. Um, all of us marry up, right? And so he's, he's, he's going to... Actually, that's true. That is way true, trust me. I'm the, um, so he's going to go out, and he's, then he's teach him how to share his testimony. Now, the only, you know, there's three parts of our testimony, life before Christ, how you met Christ, life since Christ. So immediately, he taught how to share... His testimony. Now, all he's got is, last week this happened, I should be dead, and now I just met Jesus. And that's all he really has, you know. And he's armed with his police record. And so he goes out and the next day, because you know, he doesn't have a job, he's sharing his story um, through essentially the police record. Hey, I'm coming to the house, you know. I should be dead. Essentially, he's saying I should be dead, because the police record says the police tried to shoot him, but the gun didn't go off. By the way, the policeman went back to the barracks right after that, pulled the gun out, and went, it fired immediately. Yeah. So, you know. angel got to Yes, supernatural <laughs> events happened there. Yeah. So the, the cool thing is, you know, within a couple of weeks, Mickey's, they, they've led some folks to Christ. Now, that second day, I think he, he spent about eight hours going door to door, sharing with people, invited some people to his house. They started a Bible study in his home, going through and believe baptism, you know, the Holy and they lead some people to Christ that week. Seven weeks in, um, Neil's funny. He puts uh, three chairs out, you know, in a room, and he makes people tell their uh, life before Christ, how they met Christ, life since Christ. And he makes them sit in the chair, life before Christ, how they met Christ, life since Christ. And they'll practice their testimonies every week, and then they'll practice the gospel presentation. Well, Nikki's daughter, after about seven weeks, she says, "I don't, I don't have a middle part of my testimony." I, she just sort of got, I guess, sort of tired of faking it. Going, I'm trying to work my way through this, but I got this chair in the middle that says I don't have a relationship with God. Nikki leads his daughter to Christ um, in the basement and the thin den. They have a this horse trough that we use for baptism. They put it in the basement. Nikki baptizes his daughter. Okay. Um, then there's a guy named Clint, and Clint has Clint was in my youth group. Um, way back, uh, I guess in the nineties or so, he was one of my. He was a terror. <laughs> he was trust me. Um, really good athlete, but he was a terror. But Clint would tell you that his life's been like this, just just a relative. Sort of, you know, he had a personal relationship where he came to know Christ when he was nine years old. He remembers it clearly. He's sticking by it. You know, he says this happened, but his life was like this. And so for, you know, after high school, 15, 16 years of just this. Well, he joined Mickey's group. And he said for the first time in his life, and what drew him to join Mickey's group is Mickey's out sharing his testimony. Mickey's only been a believer a couple weeks. And he said, wow. He said, I've never shared my testimony. I've never shared the gospel. I've never led anybody to Christ. And he's looking at Mickey and going, wow, you know, why am I not doing that? So he joins Mickey's group. He gets a lot of affirmation, encouragement in the group, of course, um, and and it begins to change Clint's life. And he said, you know, Clint said one of the biggest things for him was learning to forgive himself of his failures, of his mistakes. And um, so 
clinic gets involved, and him and Mickey open up about four homes. They they win some people to Christ, and they do some houses of peace. They do boycotts, and you know, so you sort of think um, you've got. I got the right thing. Uh, so they sort of begin like this, and some good things happen, um, and they get a good start. And so Clint and Mickey are going on. Well, then Clint sort of gets a vision for whatever reason. We had they had this thing at the Element Church called um, the Jerusalem Project. Jerusalem project was um, they were going to prayer walk the community within the shadow of his people. And so Clint really took it seriously, began prayer walking the community with some other folks. And they're prayer walking and they're sharing. And uh, so what we've got here, so here you got, um, you got Brian here, Mickey here, and some other folks here. And then we got Clint. Working down here, okay? So, Clint, um, he's walking, he goes out one day and he meets a buddy that he knows from there. Clint's got big arms, he's got guns everywhere we go. We got to license him before we go into the community because his arms are big. So, he, he's over here and he meets one of these other bodybuilder buddies that he lifts weights with, and they just begin talking. But there's this couple named Nick and Kayla sort of sitting in the background. And his buddy says, hey, i got to go. And he starts talking to Nick and Kayla. He says, ask Nick and Kayla, if God could do a miracle life today, what is it? So can I pray for you? And Nick and Kayla, Nick shares immediately, pray for my dad. Really doesn't say beyond that. Clint says, listen, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to pray right now for your dad. Keep your eyes open. I'm going to keep my eyes open. And I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus for your dad. And so he prays right there for his dad. Um... Then he asks them to start sharing his story. And because he's gotten to learn a little bit about them through that, shares his story. And immediately, Nick goes, We don't do the church thing. Everybody in this area is a hypocrite. We don't do the church thing. Clint goes, I'm not here to invite you to church. I'm here to invite you to Jesus. Can I come to your house and do a Bible study? And they say, Absolutely, yes. And so they, he starts a Bible study in that home. Tuesday night, if I remember right. Then Clint's prayer walking, actually the same day, goes up the road, not even, I don't know, 50, 60 yards, meets a girl named Rebecca. What's the way she asked Rebecca? God to do a miracle life today, what is it? So can I pray for you? She's sort of fed up with relationships, frustrated, discouraged, out of being in and out of relationships with men, and pray for him. So he prays. Bit of a story, shares his story, and shares a bit of the gospel. She's on her way to work. Asked her, "Hey, can I come to your house to do a Bible study?" She says, "Let me talk to mom and grandma." And so ends up. Rebecca says yes, and now she does sort of. You know, she's pretty sure she's a Christian um, from an experience in Florida. Okay, then they're prayer walking, and they go up to the next place, and they. He feels a little burden to sort of go back to a house where he'd met some folks, but he, they were Christians, and he hadn't really ever thought anything of them. So he's, I'm going to go back and visit them. So he goes back, and he gets there, and the cars are different. And so he's not sure, you know, that the cars are different. Knocks on the door, and um, lady comes to the door. And now instead of a young lady, there's an older lady. He's like, well, you know, where did such and such go? Bob and Susan, where are they at? And they said, oh, you know, we just moved here. I, I don't know what you're talking about. And it's a pretty transient community. Um, because of our uh, the income level in that area, 
So, what do you ask somebody, you know, when you come to the door like that? If God could do a miracle life today, what is in him? So, can I pray for you? So, Felicity says, pray for my old man. He's driving me nuts. He's a drunkard, you know? So, Clint says, hey, I'm not going to embarrass you. Can I pray for him? Uh, shares his story with her. She she has a testimony, she says. She, says, she goes to a local Methodist church and says, hey, can I come to your house and do a Bible study? And let's let's work on your husband. And she says, yes, absolutely, yes. Um, I think that was on a Saturday. On a Sunday, me and a buddy went prayer walking. And we prayer walk between uh, 10 and 12 on Sundays. Um what, what's happening between 10 and 12 on Sundays? Get rid of all the Christians because they're in church. They're in church, so there's good fishing. So if you want to fish, you know, when do you fish? So anyhow, we fish at that time of day, so we're prayer walking. And we come up to this house, and there's a guy sitting there smoking a cigarette, drinking a cup of coffee first thing in the morning. Hey, man, how you doing? Just have a conversation, me and Kevin, you know, uh, with uh, my iron worker buddy. We're the ones prayer walking. And so what do we ask him? God, do American life today, what is it? He said, that is really weird. Somebody asked my wife the same question yesterday. <laughs> About that time, Clint walked up, and he said it was him. You know? <laughs> and so he says, um, pray, pray for my old lady. She's driving me nuts. Serious as a heart attack. So anyhow, we, we pray for him. So we pray for him, you know, right there. And by then he tells us. Now the funny thing is he said, we're having an old-fashioned prayer meeting in our house. I have no idea what he was thinking. But we're having a, that's, that's what it is. So that group's, that group's Monday night. Nick and Kale is Tuesday night. Um, Rebecca's Thursday night. Okay? And so they go to um, Kenneth's house the first night, and Kenneth is drunk. Okay? And so um, it's. They make their way through it. They're doing seven stories of hopes. So they're doing a discovery Bible study. They share the Bible story. They share, pair up, retell it. They go through the story. And again, the target's Kenneth. But Kenneth's drunk. He, he wasn't too bad, but he was a little frustrating. Um, do that. Nick and Kayla go do the Bible study at their house. What goes a little bit easier. Uh, go on to Rebecca's house. Next week, um, Kenneth's really drunk. And Clint's really frustrated. So he just, he said, and, and Clint's a pretty straight shooter, so he just grabs Kenneth, sort of, Kenneth, you know, I, I've seen you drunk, but I'd like to see you sober. So just challenge him, next week when I come back, I want you not to be drinking, and let's be sober so we can so we can have a good Bible study, so we can have this good time together. And Kenneth says, well, okay, I'll do that, but Clint, I want you to bring a friend. And um, Kenneth, and so Clint says, well, I'll bring a friend, but he'll probably be a Christian, that's, you know, and um, he said, so Clint says, Kenneth, I want you to bring some friends. Kenneth said, I'll do that. Now, the other thing I didn't tell you about Kenneth, the first time Clint met him, he asked uh, Clint if he would do a Bible study with him every day of the week, um, which I thought was, uh, I don't know if I could pull that off. I think he wanted a little, some friendship there. And uh, so, anyhow, he goes back the next week, and um, Kenneth's not there. Now, Kenneth has visitors. Kenneth actually did it. He brought his friends. He, he was drunk. So his wife says, hey, he's out in the truck. The guy on the truck, he talks to him a little bit. Kenneth says, I'm sitting this one out. I'm not coming to Bible study. I'm sick and tired of it. 
um, has a few Jewish words for his wife. We do the Bible study, goes well. Um, one of the folks in the Bible study comes to Christ, which is somehow related to having kind of son, girlfriend. Uh, comes to Christ, goes back out to the truck, uh, sees Kenneth. Uh, Kenneth's been crying. Um, which he, this guy's a serious, he's a, he's a, I don't know what you call he's a, cuts trees down, which is a pretty tough job, you know, and this guy's broken a lot of bones in his body, falling out of trees. He's a tough guy. I mean, he's, this is not, he's all muscle, and he's probably 60, about 60 years old, falling out of trees a lot of times. But so he's a tough cat. He's not the type of guy you find crying normally. So he's crying, so Clint's like, well, man, what's up? And he said, well, you know, what's his wife, you know, my mom died, and I'm not sure where she is, and my dad died, and I'm not sure where he is, whether he's in heaven or hell, and, um, and he's upset about that. And so Clint says, well, you know, what about your son? Your son's sitting in there right now. And if something happens to you this week, what, do you, what, what about your, what's your son going to think? And um, we asked him, what, what's keeping you from following Christ? Why don't you want a relationship with Christ? And Kenneth says, nothing, nothing at all. And he said, I want to go make it right. So he goes in, gets down to his wife, and asks for forgiveness. He says, hey, I blew it. Please forgive me. And then he gets on the couch, kneels on the couch, and prays. Okay, well, the first thing after somebody repents and believes in Christ, what are you good baptism? Yeah, so we're going to teach him his story, teach him baptism, so he set up baptism for the next week. For whatever reason, on Monday it rains, um, Clint cancels baptism. I still haven't quite figured that out. Yeah. God wanted to sprinkle him, we wanted to dunk him, but we didn't want him getting wet before we dunked him. I'm not sure. Anyhow, canceled baptism. Um, so we moved to Wednesday, um, one of the other Bible studies that Neil's doing, a guy named Angelo gives his life to Christ that day. We're doing baptism 6 o'clock at night. It's 38 degrees. I have no idea what that is in Celsius, but it's cold. It's cold. It's, and, and it's raining again. Okay, so it's raining again. It's cold. We have 50 people show up for the baptism. Uh, Nick and Kayla come, Rebecca comes, other folks come, cars are stopping on the side of the road, coming to check it out, because we got a horse trough in this guy's front yard on Main Drive. So there's 50 people. They go and they baptize um, Kenneth, and immediately, every time after we do baptism, we do the Lord's Supper. So we're trying to practice the ordinances as rapidly as possible, because we're going to try and form churches. So we're doing, and again, this is this place. It's not. It's it's not 50 feet from the church. Okay, I mean, you see the steeple. But again, all these folks that we're talking about, none of them will come to church. They're all around it, but won't come to church. Okay. So they uh, he goes in to get a warm shower and warm up, and we're doing the Lord's Supper. You know, and there's some. We ask people. We present the Lord's Supper. Ask people to come forward, pray over the sacraments, and then just invite folks to come and then share testimonies they chose to. And so people some, shared some pretty heavy testimonies. One man shared about some suicide or struggle in his life that was going on, and some discouragement. And uh, other people, real honest, Mickey was repenting of some sin in his life publicly, and God's Spirit just began to move because of these men, I think, honesty and just in 
integrity before the Lord the way they were confessing their sins. And, um, Felicity comes up to Clint and said, you know what? I'm not so sure I know Jesus. I want to make sure I know. So Felicity prays and accused Christ by faith. A few minutes later, um, now Nick didn't grow up in church, but Kayla did, so she had some background. She comes up and says, Clint, I don't know if I know for sure. I want to know Jesus. She prays and receives Christ right there in this meeting. Of course, they've been in Discovery Bible study the whole time, right? So that night, we, that day, we have three people come to Christ, one baptized. <clears throat> Powerful move right there on that, you know, 38 degrees, windy, cold, rainy night. Um, Thursday night, Clint's going to Rebecca's house. They're finishing up, I think it was the seventh story of Hope, probably about that time in Rebecca's house. And so after you teach the seventh story of Hope, what's the next lesson you teach? Repent and believe. So he asked Rebecca to do the story. Clint's assuming she's a Christian. And Rebecca says, I'm not sure that I know Christ. I remember lining up to be baptized. But I don't ever remember praying to receive Christ. I don't ever remember a change in my life. Rebecca prayed. So the next week, they had four more baptisms in the same spot, same place. Um, so, what I, I guess what I want you to see, you know, so here's this area within the sort of the shadow of the steeple. Not really the um, <coughs> Clint's actually got six going on now. But one of them came out of this group right here. Um, okay, I'm going to make this better. This one, Nick and Kayla, are in the process of starting a Discovery Bible Study. Now, who would you think Nick would want to start a Discovery Bible Study from, from the store? Who does Nick have us pray for? So that is, now the other one is um, we're trying, he hasn't done this yet but we're trying to get him to start one at the racetrack because he's a good race car driver at, in uh, racing dirt cars and so we want him to start one there we don't want him to quit racing cars we want him to start a new Discovery Bible study on the racetrack because those guys don't come to church so um, my thing has gotten really messy um, Rebecca um, had one going to the workplace since then, moved to Florida. Um, the cool thing is, she happened to move to Jacksonville, where we're doing, what are we doing? Tea for tea. And she actually is living very close to a community where there's a church we're already training and beginning to disciple. So we've, we're plugging her in. We're hoping this sort of hangs in. We'll have to see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, Kenneth has a guy who works for him named Brandon. Um, Kenneth has been... Um, He's a wonderful guy. He's, he's, he's just sort of caught in the thorns of alcoholism. Uh, so anyhow, he, he occasionally gets frustrated and he doesn't stay at home. So he goes over to one of his workers' house, a guy named Brandon. So Clint gets a phone call. Um, this is initially a way to do evangelism. Clint gets a phone call at about 1130 at night because he doesn't have his medication. His wife won't let him back in the house. And he's at Brandon's house sleeping in his truck. And so he goes, grabs the medication. Imagine it's 1130 night from Felicity. Carries the medication up there. Gets in a conversation with Brandon. Uh, Brandon is about 21 years old. His 
wife's 18, they got a three-year-old baby. He shares his story with them, because they're talking about, of course, they're sitting here talking about Kenneth. Shares his story and Jesus' story, and then asks these guys if he'd come to the house and do a Bible study, and they say yes. Neither one of these ever grew up in church. They're local folks, but never grew up in church. Um, right here, uh, Clint, the other week, Clint, um, Clint's trying to raise his support. He's doing a lousy job. Um, you hear that, Clint? <laughs> <laughs> you can do it, man. Anyhow, he's just, Clint's, uh, Clint's trying to work on raising his support. And, uh, How's your support rising? Lousy. <laughs> we can train you, Jay. Yeah, you agree. You need to train me, please. Help me. I need help. No, I'm. Hey, Lord's provided every so far. Provided everything I needed. Um. So Brandon. Um. Uh. Can't pay his water bill, and he's got a three-year-old baby, and they cut the water off. And because we were talking about community, you know. So Clint's got no money. Clint's three months behind on his rent. Actually, not his rent, his house payment. And so Clint takes his own money, and he goes and helps them. You know, and um, just blew me away. Um, we had other churches helping Clint. Anyhow, this couple's going to come to Christ. They're going to come to Christ. It's really neat what God's doing there. But I just, I, I wanted to just sort of share that story just to say, Clint is so methodical. He, he just trusts the seven stories of hope. He trusts the Word of God. It's not the seven stories of hope. It's the Word of God. He trusts the Word of God, trusts the process. And God's using this guy in a really neat way, but he's got six groups going on. Clint's all, what's Clint's only relief right now with six groups going on? How's he going to get relief? Sunday? He's got groups going on Sunday, so... got to raise up leaders. He's got to raise up some leaders. Right in here is his hope of some relief. Because, you know, six groups is a lot to manage. And if he doesn't raise up, now all these are new believers. And he's, here's another thing I was with. I was, I've sent a lot of folks to go watch Clint. But I went one night with a guy, um, Steve, to watch him. And so we're over here at Nick's house. And Nick comes in. Nick's not been a believer two months. And Nick comes in and leads the group. But I don't even think he's really been taught the one-third, one-third, one-third necessarily. But I'm telling you, he led it to a team. Shared a Bible story. Had us pair up, retell it. We went, read it a couple times. Prayed, asked the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. Went through the sword method. Had clear directions about who we'd share with that week. Clear action plans for obedience. Actually, these happened to be the four soils. And, and Nick did a phenomenal job. I mean, he was, you just walk away and go, wow. You know? Now, Clint's going to be with Nick for nine months to three years. But when do you have two-month-old babies leading groups? And anyhow, I was just blown away by, you know, of course, Nick's probably going to be one of those hundredfold guys. You know, as long as we can good balance with race car driving, you know, but, you know, this is, uh, and, and the reason I say that is, when you find, a guy like Clint, Clint's a hundredfold guy, he really is, hundredfold guys sniff out other hundredfold guys, and so I think, you know, about Kenneth, Kenneth's in the weeds, of course, but he's, he's 
sniffed out this guy. And then Brandon, right here, um, Brandon never had a Bible in his life. And so he wanted a Bible, they went out and bought him a Bible, and so he's now just reading the scriptures through, so he's asking all these questions to Clint. And, um, and again, this guy, he doesn't live in this same community, so he lives down in another community right within the shadow of a steeple, right here. He's probably been invited to church, but uh, Clint invited himself into Brandon's home. And anyhow, we, you know, in the States right now, I'd say roughly there's about 800 some groups in homes. Um, and we got every socioeconomic, anything you can think of. So the problem is, is we were in Nashville the other week and we sent guys out during one of our trainings at lunch to share, opened up four homes. And James and David said, wow, that's great. Now we have 13 homes waiting for Bible studies and we don't have workers to go into them. So, I, I, you know, at first when you're doing this, you're sort of praying, God, give us one home or give us that one opportunity and God's going to set you up. But what happens later is what Jesus promised, which is Luke 10.2. Pray the Lord of harvest to send forth workers because the harvest is ready. And so there's so many homes now open just blows you away. We can't, we can't bomb the church out of the pews, I guess is what I'd say. So anyhow, I, I'm, I just wanted to share with you a little bit about Clint. Um, any, just, uh, I wanted to sort of wrap it up, but any just sort of takeaways real quick from Clint's story for you? Can I say, that was a really positive exercise in that Sometimes when you see the generational diagrams, you see the programming, you just put a person for every one of those persons and all the people around those um, persons and their stories and the spiritual victories and joys. And, you know, it's just a really good exercise. And mess. <laughs> and mess, yeah. I wish it was perfect, but boy, it is messy. After you do this, you go, wow, I understand why Paul had to write so many books. <laughs> you know? Or somebody asks you, well, do you ever experience heresy? We, we tend to experience legalism. And I just always ask them, heresy, can I see your church's Facebook? The post on your Facebook who belong to your church. And I'll show you heresy in the church. Uh, I'll promise you there'll be heresy out here, but let me just show it to you in the church so you can save some time looking here. <laughs> Get the log out of your own eye. Yes. Oh, I was just going to comment. The thing that's so amazing, I mean, this is what constructs the whole material. If you're worried about things like heresy or mistakes or mess yeah. or something, you, you wouldn't be game to do it. Yeah, no way. Yeah. You know, it's the Holy Spirit that makes people respond when they're drunk. And they're yeah. 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 And, and, I, and like I said, we, we ran into legalism before um, heresy. And, and you know, I hope it wouldn't embarrass Mickey, but he, he gravitated towards some legalism. And it took a season for him to come out of legalism. I wouldn't actually blame Mickey as much as I would Neil. Um, 
because it's just we got to be on top of these things because legalism is one of the first things that creeps in. Um, sometimes the legalism we get we get legalistic about one third, one third, one third. You know, you're not sharing your story. You know, so you're gonna die and go to hell. Get out of our group. You know, this really doesn't happen that bad. <laughs> there, there, well, there are there are some people who you know they we get legalistic about. You know, we got to be careful on that and sort of meet folks where they're at, but. Uh, we, we take very little interpretations of the Bible, you know, so some folks look at the Bible and go, you know, Easter's not in the Bible, unless you get a KJ 1611. And so therefore we shouldn't celebrate Easter as far as a bunny and stuff like that. And I'm probably with him on that, you know. Flying helicopters drop an egg. Neil, did you hear that? <laughs> Anyhow, I, you're, you're going to face legalism. You're going to face some heresy. That's why in that first third you have your ears perked up and listening. Because we want to correct it. We want to help it. But it's, it's already in our churches. Well, um, Alan said, uh, overwhelmingly, heresy is the fruit of the speculation of the only man. I would agree, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go to seminary. If, you, if you've got believers in community with the word and the spirit, that's not where heresy pops up. <laughs> Takeaways or what do you do? What do you do both about the Lord's Supper? You mean pragmatically? How do we do it? Or pragmatically? Yeah, we we tell the story of the Passover and then we connect it into First Corinthians chapter eleven, and so we would tell it, pair people up, retell it, and then we would um, discuss it, walk through it that way. Um, we have a couple. Of Scripture passages we would compare. I mean, real similar to what um, Steve has. And then we honestly, we just set up, we do more of a, we, have, we do an open Lord's Supper. We're not a closed group, you know, as far as, well, some Baptists could be closed or landmarkers. We've chosen to be open. And I'll explain to you why. You may not like it, but um, I'll explain to you why. We'll just set out a, a plate and a cup. And we just invite people to come. And then we ask them just, if they want to, if they feel comfortable, they can share a testimony, or they can praise the Lord, share something He's done in their life. But they celebrate what God's doing in their life based on that passage. Based on, um, I have a bit of a different view on the Lord's Supper because I think there's a lot of things in the Lord's Supper. It's not just remembering His death, burial, resurrection; it's remembering the future that He's coming. You know, there's a lot. There's about, I think there's five or six different teachings in the Lord's Supper personally. So he was, I think that's why the church was centered around the Lord's Supper, is because it was a teaching tool for illiterates. And so he was emphasizing five or six different things. Everybody wouldn't believe, agree with that on me, but that's, that's fine. It's just sort of what we are. I think there's a salvation message in the Lord's Supper. Because we're in messy situations where we're practicing the Lord's Supper. We've had, I was in a night one night, and this is where you all might not like it, but I, I, it was a shock for me. Because I've always been, you know, you've got to be a Christian to take the Lord's Supper. 
and that's my view. We had a guy, I thought Neil invited him. Um, Neil thought I invited him. We we never seen, neither one of us had ever seen the guy before in our lives. And but we were both assuming. And so we'd gone through the whole thing, and we were doing a Lord's Supper, and this guy comes up and grabs the bread and says, You know what? I think I believe in Jesus. And I want him. I want to receive him. You know, and so he got saved on a Lord's Supper. So it, it messed me up, you know, because I was going. You can't do that. You're not baptized yet. You know, um, well, you know it, it was a very uncomfortable spot for me, just historically as a Baptist. And my background, I was doing it in another place. And again, you're doing these discovery Bible studies, and you're not always quite sure who's showing up, so I'm doing it up in a gated community. Um, we're doing the Lord's Supper. The chairman of the deacon shows up, of all people. You know, and so he's there. And then I got some regular folks. And then a lady comes, and I'm not sure her, where she's at. Uh, her name's Sam. Uh, she's 78 years old. I do find out afterwards she hadn't been in church in 48 years. And she comes. And um, we had a very uncomfortable, long... Everybody done the Lord's Supper except her. I couldn't decide whether to close it or not, you know, and so it was a really uncomfortable, long pause. She began to break down and cry, and she said, this is the most powerful experience I've ever had in my life. I want Christ to come in my life. Sam's walking with the Lord now, um, tied in with a local group in a gated community in a pretty nice house on the lake. And some of her family's come to Christ since then. So, you know, and that's an uncomfortable spot to be in, you know, because you just, it's not the way I'm used to it being. But it's a little uncontrollable sometimes when you're in these homes like this and doing the Lord's Supper. Um, and, and I just don't always know. But I got his straight legs with crooked sticks. Paul talks about. When believers come into the meeting, so he was comfortable with believers coming in, non believers. Oh, yeah. The only time he talks about God's judgment and people <coughs> taking the Lord's Supper inappropriately, he's talking to believers who are making light of Getting drunk and eating all the food before the other people. Being, being out, of, out of relationship. And that's where the judgment is. Somebody who's coming and they're there, they're seeking Christ. Um, they, I don't think the Lord's waiting for. Well, we what well, we decided, and we because we we struggled with this after this happened a couple times, and not everybody agreed with us. But we finally just came, Neil, myself, and some other leaders, and just said, you know what, they're already judged. Their condemnation is hell. So I'm not so sure we're going to add much to hell. Yeah, I agree. And that's where we finally had to come with it, you know. And I know that it wouldn't fit the landmarkist view of Baptist, uh, which is sort of more my tradition. Um, but I just, I, the landmarkist is in here, and it's really nice and clean, and it's very controlled. Out here, it's not quite that way. So, 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 so.